The following program is furnished by The Truth About Your Future, LLC. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station. This information is education and not financial advice. Consult a financial advisor before investing. The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman is brought to you by Bitwise, the world's largest crypto index fund manager. And by Global X ETFs, dedicated to providing investors with unexplored and intelligent solutions. And by Invesco QQQ, a fund that allows you to access the innovators of the NASDAQ 100. And by Edelman Financial Engines. Rick Edelman is a board member, consultant, shareholder, and client of EFE. But EFE is unaffiliated and has no say over the content of the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. This is where technology, innovation, and personal finance come together. This is the truth about your future with Rick Edelman. And now your host, Rick Edelman. Welcome to the truth about your future. I'm Rick Edelman. Here's what we've got coming up for you today. A look at today's markets, plus the latest on CBDCs in the U.S. and around the world. Is a college degree really worth it? Plus, ways you can invest in innovation and understanding the term duration, why you need to care, plus Gene's Word of the Week. Let's get started with where we all are in the midst of, and that's the turmoil you've been experiencing personally and observing in the economy. There's one segment that is doing incredibly well, very, very strong, the U.S. dollar. When we compare the value of the U.S. dollar to other currencies around the world, we discover that our dollar is going up in value and other countries' currencies are going down in value. Well, is that a big deal? Isn't that good news? Well, not necessarily. Johnson & Johnson just reported that its profits are going down because the dollar is going up. The company says it generates half of its sales outside the U.S., So think about this. If you live in Europe and you want to buy a product from J&J, you've got to use your euro to buy something that is manufactured in dollars. So the lower your euro, the more of them you got to spend. In other words, you've got a big price increase for Johnson & Johnson products, even without inflation. J&J says that the strong dollar is costing the company $4 billion in sales. Microsoft and IBM are saying the same thing. The dollar so far this year is up 12%. So a strong dollar is actually bad news for American businesses trying to sell overseas. Now, there is a flip side to this. As an American living here in the U.S., if you want to travel overseas, like take a vacation in France, it's a bargain because the U.S. dollar is so strong compared to the euro. So it's great news for an American who's buying overseas goods or traveling overseas, but it's bad news for American businesses that are trying to sell to overseas consumers. Hey, speaking of the dollar, speaking of cash, okay, I wasn't really, but I'm going to use that as a segue here. Mutual fund managers and ETF managers have now boosted their holdings of cash to a 21-year high. We haven't seen them holding so much cash since 2008, and we know why they did that back then, 58% of fund managers say they're taking less risk than usual. So let me ask you this related question. What rate of return are you expecting to get from your diversified portfolio? Well, a new survey of financial professionals was just taken, and on average, financial professionals expect to earn 7% above inflation 
over long periods of time. That number is largely unchanged from other surveys that have been done over the past quarter century. Financial advisors are pretty consistent in saying that returns ought to be in the 6 or 7 or 8% rate above inflation. But when individual investors were asked that question, their average answer was not 7% per year, but 17 and a half. You've got to be kidding me. In fact, I'm not the only one who has ever said that. You've got to be kidding me. We've got to recognize that your investment results are going to be impacted by your investment expectation. In other words, if you are expecting seven, which is what advisors are expecting, and you get 10, wow, this is a great year. But if you're expecting 17 and you get 10, you'll be furious, you'll be upset, you'll be disappointed, which will cause you to sell those wonderfully performing investments in a desperate effort to to achieve a higher return that is impossible to get. There's only one reason that investors say they're expecting 17% annual returns. Over the past several years, prior to 2022, they were getting it. So if you're a relatively new investor from 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, yeah, a 17% return is understandable because that's what the financial markets were delivering. That is incredibly unusual. Since 1926, we're talking almost 100 years, the S&P 500 has averaged about 10% per year, over 100 years. Sure, there'll be some years of 18 or 20, but there'll also be some years of a negative 18 or 20. On average, a 10% average annual return to expect that you're going to earn 17 and a half over many years is horrifically unrealistic. You're doomed to failure. And here's the worst part. If you're building a financial plan based on that assumption, you're going to invest less because the return will be so high. You don't need to bother investing more. You'll discover though in the future, you're not going to accumulate the wealth that you think you're accumulating because you're not getting the return that you're hoping to get. Make sure you have realistic expectations about your returns if you want to have any hope at all of achieving them. Otherwise, your future will be a lot more frustrating and disappointing than you're hoping for. And here's a related problem that investors are making. Let me frame it for you. You're busy saving and investing money. You're letting that money grow in value. And in retirement, when you're no longer earning a paycheck, you're going to start to use the money that you've saved all your life. That's why you're saving it. So you'll have it available to you in retirement. So when you're in retirement, what are you going to spend? Are you going to spend only the income and interest, only the growth and the dividends? Are you never going to touch the principal? 75% say they will never touch the principal. If they've got a million dollars in the account, they'll withdraw the interest and the dividends, but they will never touch the principal. They'll leave the million dollars alone. If they've got a million dollars at age 65, they're going to die in their 90s with the same million dollars intact. Never touch principal. I think it's the 11th commandment, thou shalt not touch principal. Well, let me tell you this. If you think you're never going to touch the principal, you're probably crazy. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? It is extraordinarily unlikely 
that you will be able to live on the dividends and interest alone. It is very rare for someone to be wealthy enough that that's what they're able to get away with. Odds are far higher that you will invade principal, that you will withdraw money from the account beyond its interest in dividends and growth. Your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. You need to recognize that fact. And further, it's okay to do. There's no problem with withdrawing principal. We just want to make sure you don't withdraw so much principal so fast that you end up going broke. That's easy to avoid with proper financial advice. You need to make sure that you have realistic expectations about how much you're going to earn while you're saving and how much you're going to withdraw while you're in retirement. I'm Rick Edelman, and I'm trying to give you the truth about your future. There's a new retiree survey from the Employee Benefit Research Institute. This survey was funded by Edelman Financial Engines. 70% of retirees say that you should invest more and earlier in order to prepare yourself most effectively for retirement. And retirees surveyed in this study who have an advisor are less likely to have financial regret than those who don't have an advisor. In fact, 90% of those surveyed who have a financial professional helping them felt that the value of that advisor outweighed the cost. So don't focus on, gee, advisors are too expensive. If they were truly too expensive, nobody would ever hire an advisor. Clearly, a lot of people find incredible value from what they're paying for what they're getting. You should consider hiring a financial advisor. And Edelman Financial Engines, which funded the research from eBRI, is a place you ought to consider. When we continue digital dollars in your future, stay with us on the truth about your future. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents of innovation. Ordinary people who shape the future by putting their money behind the right ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Be an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want to invest in digital assets but find it all a bit complicated? There's actually a very easy way that you can invest in this new asset class. Simply choose the Bitwise 10 Crypto Index Fund, symbol BITW. It's the first and still the biggest crypto index fund. It owns the 10 largest digital assets and rebalances monthly, so you don't have to decide what to buy or when to rebalance. Bitwise does it all for you. At Bitwise, we want digital assets to be available to everyone, and that's why we work closely with individual investors like you, as well as financial advisors and institutions. At Bitwise, crypto is all we do. 
If you believe digital assets should be part of a diversified portfolio, take a look at the Bitwise Crypto 10 Index Fund, symbol BITW, available everywhere you get your investments. There are major risks to consider, including the loss of your entire investment. Before investing in crypto funds, visit bitwiseinvestments.com to learn about the risks with these investments. Recession. Inflation. Rising interest rates. Wondering what today's economic challenges mean for you? Join Edelman Financial Engines on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern for our brand new virtual event, The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth, a roundtable discussion hosted by best-selling author Gene Chatsky and featuring wealth planners from Edelman Financial Engines. You can register now at planefe.com. You'll get timely insights into today's market situation and learn steps to consider now. Are you making the right financial moves? What could you be doing differently? Don't miss this important virtual event. Join Edelman Financial Engines for The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth. Hosted by Gene Chatsky on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. There's no cost to attend and no obligation. Register now at planefe.com. That's planefe.com. Edelman Financial Engines. From here forward. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future. One of the big conversations in the world of crypto are CBDCs, a central bank digital currency. That's fancy jargon for the simple question, will we ever have a digital dollar? Will the Federal Reserve allow money to be digital as opposed to merely being printed on paper that you carry around in your pocket or purse? Well, a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, is under development right now by the Federal Reserve, along with the federal central banks of just about every country in the world. Widely projected that by the end of this decade, every country is going to have a digital version of its currency. One of the big questions here in the U.S. that federal regulators are trying to answer is this. Will a digital dollar improve our nation's financial stability? Or will it hurt it? Well, now there's a new paper from the Office of Financial Research. That's a part of the Treasury Department. They've created a model simulating a bank run, one that occurs with the existence of a digital dollar and one that occurs without digital dollars. The result, according to their study, a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, helps improve financial stability. The reasons, according to the researchers at the Treasury Department, Having the existence of a CBDC reduces the amount of deposits in banks because it gives depositors another option of storing their money elsewhere. You could store your digital dollars in a digital wallet outside of a bank. And this gives policymakers real-time banking data on withdrawals, helping them make decisions to provide greater stability for the economy. It's further evidence that a CBDC is going to be in our future, and you will one day have digital dollars as easily as you now have paper ones. What's going on with crypto around the world? Too often, when people take a look at Bitcoin or other digital assets, they treat it as a U.S. thing. We have to remember that digital assets, blockchain technology, is a global asset and a global innovation that operates 24-7. What's going on around the world? In Dubai, they've announced a metaverse strategy. They say they're going to create 40,000 virtual jobs, adding $4 billion to its economy 
over the next five years. In the Central African Republic, they've just launched their own CBDC. They call it the Sango coin. The project plans to raise a billion dollars, part of the country's plans to tokenize their mineral resources. And then there's Nubank, Brazil's largest digital bank. 54 million customers, and they're now allowing them to buy Bitcoin. By the way, guess who's a big owner of the bank? Warren Buffett. He's got $2 billion invested in Nubank. And then there's the Financial Stability Board. This includes Treasury officials and central bankers from the G20, the world's 20 most important economies around the world. The United States, of course, leading the G20. The Financial Stability Board has just announced that it's going to come up with rules ensuring what they call robust regulation and supervision of crypto. They're going to deliver an outline next month. This is a really important development because it shows that they're not talking about banning crypto. They're talking about regulating and supervising crypto. It's sort of like saying we're not going to prevent cars from being on the road. We're just going to have traffic cops making sure those cars drive safely. And that demonstrates that crypto is going to become more and more commonplace than ever. Once you've got rules of the road you have an increase of safety and a greater expectation of usability. This is all growing, and the governments are helping to support it. Meantime, here in the United States, the CFTC, the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, has launched a new Office of Technology Innovation to help it engage in the regulation of crypto. And California is now allowing political contributions in the form of crypto. So you can donate your Bitcoin and Ethereum and other digital assets to your favorite politician. Meanwhile, the Treasury Department is creating its own crypto policy and it is now asking for public comment, demonstrating further advances. Rules and regulations are on their way and that is a very healthy sign for the permanence of digital assets. My prediction is on the record for some time, and I'll repeat it for you here. You will own digital assets. The only question is when will you choose to first buy? You can do it now at today's prices, or you can wait. It's entirely your call. You know, this radio show is called The Truth About Your Future. I don't think there's anything more important regarding our future than the fact that we're all living longer than ever. Longevity is the big deal. And that's why I've created a brand new master class, Financial Planning in the Age of Longevity. And you can watch it free. It's online. I show you how to handle college and career, home ownership, leisure and recreation, long-term care, estate planning, and of course, a big focus on your investments. Go to the truthayf.com, sign up for free, and you can watch all my master classes, including my brand new one, Financial Planning in the Age of Longevity. That's at the truthayf.com. Hey, what's your attitude about crypto? Do you think you're going to want to buy Bitcoin anytime soon? We've got some new surveys out, one of them from Bank of America. 23% of U.S. adults say they plan to buy crypto within the next month. And 91% who already own Bitcoin say they intend to buy more within the next six months. In January, 26% said that. In other words, pretty much the same number of people who liked Bitcoin when it was very high in price still like it today. And who are these people? 
Well, 58% of them earn $50,000 or more. 40% are over the age of 40. If you think crypto is only for kids, you're making a big mistake. And 41% are black or Latino. And two-thirds say that the reason that they're buying Bitcoin is to hold it as an asset in their portfolio to make money with it. A third say they use it as a form of payment. So this adds on fuel to the fire to my comments about Gary Gensler and the SEC refusing to approve a Bitcoin ETF. Clearly, there is as much consumer and investor interest in Bitcoin as ever. And the failure to approve a Bitcoin ETF isn't getting these people to stop buying. It's simply forcing them to buy an alternative investment that's much more expensive, that's much riskier, that's less liquid, less transparent. I don't get it. If consumers want it and they're making an informed decision, willing to take the risk associated with it, why is Gary Gensler acting like somebody's mother playing up a maternalistic attitude of, I'm not going to let you do it even if you want to do it? That's not their job at the SEC. Their job is to make sure that disclosures are correct, that the consumer has fair and full information to make an informed decision, not to make the decision for them. In fact, the SEC's attitude is in complete contradiction to what's going on in the marketplace right now. Rick Reeder is the chief investment officer of Global Fixed Income at BlockRock. That's the world's biggest money manager with $10 trillion in assets. He just told Yahoo Finance, quote, I still think Bitcoin and crypto are durable assets. If BlackRock, the biggest money manager in the world, thinks Bitcoin belongs in portfolios, why on earth is the SEC acting as a roadblock preventing it? Makes no sense. I'm Rick Edelman. Coming up next, opportunities for you to invest in innovation. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future. You know how challenging it's been to manage your investments successfully this year. You've heard Rick Edelman caution you just about every week that, given today's combination of high market volatility and stubbornly high inflation, the investments that worked in the past might not be the ones to help you achieve your goals today. This is especially true if you need to generate current income from your investments. But where can you turn if your traditional approach isn't working anymore? At GlobalX ETFs, we can help. Our ETFs offer you investments that you might not have considered before. Asset classes with income-producing potential, including MLPs from the energy sector, real estate investment trusts, preferreds, and dividend-paying stocks. We've been providing our investors with income-oriented investments for more than a decade. Explore our full lineup of ETFs and get our research and insights and more all at GlobalXETFs.com. Or ask your financial advisor about GlobalX ETFs. GlobalXETFs.com. Meet Schwab Intelligent Income, a simple modern way to pay yourself from your portfolio. Overcome the complexity of income needs in retirement with automated tax smart withdrawals that you can start, stop, or adjust at any time without penalty. Plus ongoing monitoring so you'll always know where you stand. And since lower fees means more money for you to invest, you pay no advisory fee. Available with Schwab Intelligent Portfolios. Visit schwab.com slash intelligent income, a modern approach to wealth management. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future with Rick Edelman, sponsored by Choice. Choice is changing the way Americans save for retirement by making it possible to invest in Bitcoin, crypto, and other alternative assets inside your IRA. That's right. 
Whether you open a deductible or a Roth IRA with choice, you can invest in Bitcoin and 22 other digital assets in your retirement account. You can also buy stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, gold, real estate, and more, all in a single retirement account. There's no hidden fees or account minimums, just more control over your retirement savings. And Choice makes it ridiculously easy to combine all of your old retirement accounts with a rollover concierge service. So if you've switched jobs in the last few years and have been putting off rolling over your old 401k, make sure you check out Choice. Head on over to retirewithchoice.com slash Rick. That's retirewithchoice.com slash Rick. Welcome back to The Truth About Your Future. I'm Rick Edelman. Very happy to bring on to the program Ryan McCormack. Ryan is the Factor & Core Equity ETF Strategist representing Invesco's flagship ETF, Invesco QQQ. Ryan, great to have you on the program. Thanks, Rick. Great to be back. Now, you probably know Ryan. He's quoted often in the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times. He speaks at conferences all around the country. And not only have you probably heard of Ryan, you definitely have heard of Invesco QQQ. Everybody knows about this. Because if you ever watch CNBC or Bloomberg or pretty much any sporting event anywhere, you see QQQ splashed everywhere. So, Ryan, let, let me just start there. Although everybody has seen the ads for Invesco QQQ, I suspect a lot of folks really don't even know what that is. So give us a real quick rundown, remind everybody, what is the Invesco QQQ? Yeah, happy to. And, and I always joke that uh, I, I challenge you to go about three minutes on, on CNBC without uh, without seeing a, a QQQ ad. But uh, for a little added context, so QQQ tracks the NASDAQ 100, uh, which is an index that's comprised of the 100 largest companies listed on the NASDAQ exchange, X-Financials. QQQ has a, a, a over 23-year track record. Uh, it's the fifth largest ETF listed uh, and the second most actively traded. So very well known in, in, in the financial community. And, and now it, it, we're, you know, we're trying you know, very hard to, to expand our reach to, to showcase to the individual investors as well. You know, there aren't very many brands that are known throughout the world and have a huge high name recognition. You, know, you can think of McDonald's and Hershey's. You can think of uh, Ford. I think Invesco QQQ is up in those ranks. It's one of the few ETFs where everybody, even those who don't know much about ETFs, have heard of QQQ. Part of it is the unique name itself, the fact that it goes by the ticker symbol QQQ. We often refer to it as the Qs. So it's got a unique positioning in the marketplace. And the fact that it's the fifth largest, what is it, $200 billion in assets now? Just about, yep. So it certainly has the name recognition that is the envy of the ETF marketplace. But you mentioned that it is the top 100 stocks of the uh, NASDAQ. NASDAQ is well known for being an innovation index. It is largely technology stocks, not exclusively, but largely. And so is that really the whole point? Is that the, the message that Invesco was trying to convey, that if you want to invest in technology stocks, in innovation, the Qs is uh, a way to go do that? Yeah, I think absolutely. And, you know, I think there is still that, that misnomer, which you were alluding to, right, that QQQ is, is just a technology fund. And, and to your point, Rick, you know, the, the lion's share of the allocation is in, in, in technology stocks. But, you know, you are getting exposure to communication services stocks, to, to consumer discretionary stocks, to some differentiated healthcare names. You know, I work with the, my colleagues at NASDAQ very closely. And, uh, you know, I, I always ask them, you know, so why 
do these innovative and, and, and forward-leaning companies consistently list on NASDAQ? And ultimately, it boils down to, to one question, and it's, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want to be a, an Apple and a Microsoft, or you know, would you rather be a, a GE or, or a JP Morgan? And I think that's what consistently attracts these sorts of companies to list on the NASDAQ exchange. So how do you evaluate if a company is truly dedicated to innovation? How do you know that they're serious about this? Yeah, so you know, innovation is, is a, a little bit of a, a nebulous term. You know, from our perspective, we think the first stop is, is research and development. What we found is NASDAQ 100 companies consistently spend more on research and development than companies in, in competing indices. For instance, calendar year 2021, on a weighted average basis, the NASDAQ 100 companies spent uh, over $13 billion on R&D, uh, compared to the S&P 500 at, at $7.7 billion. So what we see is this, this consistent commitment of these companies to reinvest in their business. And you know, I think when you look at R&D, you know, generally, that's that's a longer term story. You, you don't just throw money at, a, at an R&D project and say, hey, this is going to be, you know, additive to earnings next quarter or even next year. Right? in many cases, this is a multi-year commitment that these companies are, are making, building out infrastructure, researching the ideas and and cultivating that end product. So, you know, I think it's it, it's not an easy commitment. It's longer term in nature. But what we found are, is that these NASDAQ 100 companies are committed to it. But that's a, a bit of a challenge, isn't it, for a lot of these companies, Ryan? Because if you're going to engage in massive investment into R&D to develop new innovations, it can be years before that gets proved out, before you actually have a product or service that you can bring to the marketplace and make money. And Wall Street has this you know, culture of short-termism. You know, What have you done for me lately? Every three months, they've got to do a quarterly uh, update with their analysts talking about how much money they're making at the moment. So if they're making big investments that might not pay off for years, Wall Street might punish them in the short term. You're absolutely right, Rick. If you know, you look at some of the the conference calls and 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 whisper numbers around some of these earnings announcements, and they can be hyper focused on a on a very specific data point. And even if they miss marginally on that data point, whether it be ad sales, whether it be user growth, etc., you know that stock can be punished. But you know, I think. Ultimately, a lot of these companies do take a longer term vision um, and commitment and belief that they're going to be able to derive future earnings from whatever these projects that they decide to invest in. Um, and we've seen that over time. We've seen these, these companies have the ability to be very nimble. Their businesses look very different today than they did 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, even three years ago in, in, in many cases. So there is a little bit of a dichotomy there. But I think broadly, when you're looking at NASDAQ 100, the thesis here is, is, is that future growth potential that exists. And so that's really very simply the question that investors have to ask themselves. You need to decide, are you interested in what's going on right now? Or are you interested in making investments for the future, where the payoff, so to speak, will come in the years to come. If you are focused on the future, that means you need to be investing in companies that are investing in their futures with the R&D that Ryan just described. And if you are focusing on the future on innovation, that argues for the QQQ as opposed to the S&P 500. 
That's it, isn't it, Ryan? That's the decision investors need to ask themselves. That really is it. I mean, you know, to put it a different way, I mean, you know, you, you look at, at sort of the next level of, of innovation, right? We look at R&D spend, but we take it a step further and look at patent filings across a number of different disruptive technologies. And, and what we found is NASDAQ 100 companies have, you know, very significant patent exposure, you know, to give an example, uh, May 31st of 2021 through May 31st of, of this year, NASDAQ 100 companies filed over one quarter of all patents that relate to themes like big data or cybersecurity or wearable technologies or, or 3D graphics. You know, I think when you look at some of those themes, they're here. Right. Companies are already taking some of those themes. They're, they're in our daily lives and, and it's, it's contributing to the bottom line. But as you start to look out, there's also significant patent activity in things like the blockchain, like digital currency, like, like 3D printing, like autonomous vehicles, like biofuels. So things that may not be a part of our daily lives today, but there is a path where this could become a, a, a very significant part of our daily lives. So you know, there's a nice balance between activity in themes that are already contributing to the bottom line today, but there is that path towards, hey, there's exposure to some of these themes that I think will derive the next leg of earnings growth within these companies. So we know what the world has been like in this year, 2022. Uh, the stock market has fallen dramatically into a bear market. And then from mid-June to about now, the stock market has been recovering very nicely. So we've seen incredible levels of volatility. Uh, and there's still a lot of nervousness and uncertainty about what's going on in the world. Uh, so talk about what you see as the outlook. Uh, what's your statement, your sentiment for investors, for folks who are listening to us, Ryan, about what they should be thinking and feeling about making investments today? Is this a buying opportunity because prices are low? Or should people sit on the sidelines because there's more volatility to come? Sure. I, you know, I, I think obviously it's going to be different from investor to investor, right? I mean, you know, is, is this money going to be used for the short term or is this your retirement? I think for the short term, I would anticipate volatility to continue. So, you know, I think for those medium to longer term investors, this can serve as an opportunity to dollar cost average. That's Ryan McCormick. He is the factor and core equity strategist for Invesco QQQ. Ryan, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Rick. Ryan and I actually spoke for much longer than you just heard here. You can listen, watch, or read the entire conversation. Just go to the truth, AYF.com. Coming up, is a college degree worth it? And if you're a woman, are you getting hosed by going to college? Stay with us for more here on The Truth About Your Future. You know how challenging it's been to manage your investments successfully this year. You've heard Rick Edelman caution you just about every week that, given today's combination of high market volatility and stubbornly high inflation, the investments that worked in the past might not be the ones to help you achieve your goals today. This is especially true if you need to generate current income from your investments. But where can you turn if your traditional approach isn't working anymore? At Global X ETFs, we can help. Our ETFs offer you investments that you might not have considered before. Asset classes with income-producing potential, including MLPs from the energy sector, real estate investment trusts, preferreds, and dividend-paying stocks. We've been providing our investors with income-oriented investments for more than a decade. Explore our full lineup of ETFs and get our research and insights and more all at GlobalXETFs.com. Or ask your financial advisor about GlobalX ETFs. GlobalXETFs.com. 
Want to invest in digital assets but find it all a bit complicated? There's actually a very easy way that you can invest in this new asset class. Simply choose the Bitwise 10 Crypto Index Fund, symbol BITW. It's the first and still the biggest crypto index fund. It owns the 10 largest digital assets and rebalances monthly, so you don't have to decide what to buy or when to rebalance. Bitwise does it all for you. At Bitwise, we want digital assets to be available to everyone, and that's why we work closely with individual investors like you, as well as financial advisors and institutions. At Bitwise, crypto is all we do. If you believe digital assets should be part of a diversified portfolio, take a look at the Bitwise Crypto 10 Index Fund, symbol BITW, available everywhere you get your investments. There are major risks to consider, including the loss of your entire investment. Before investing in crypto funds, visit bitwiseinvestments.com to learn about the risks with these investments. Recession, inflation, rising interest rates. Wondering what today's economic challenges mean for you? Join Edelman Financial Engines on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern for our brand new virtual event, The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth. A roundtable discussion hosted by best-selling author Gene Shatsky and featuring wealth planners from Edelman Financial Engines. You can register now at planefe.com. You'll get timely insights into today's market situation and learn steps to consider now. Are you making the right financial moves? What could you be doing differently? Don't miss this important virtual event. Join Edelman Financial Engines for The Economic Storm of 2022 and Your Wealth. Hosted by Gene Chatsky on Tuesday, September 20th at 2 p.m. or 8 p.m. Eastern. There's no cost to attend and no obligation. Register now at planEFE.com. That's planEFE.com. Edelman Financial Engines, from here forward. You're listening to The Truth About Your Future. You know, the name of this radio show and podcast is also the name of my New York Times bestseller, The Truth About Your Future. And in that book, I made a prediction, well, a whole bunch of them anyway, and one of them has come true. 200 colleges have closed over the past decade. That is four times as many as closed in the decade before that. There have been 95 college mergers Colleges are discovering two problems. Number one, fewer students. Number two, higher costs. And with the inability to attract enough students willing to pay those higher tuition rates, colleges are having no choice but to close or merge. And the situation is not likely to get any better anytime soon. A recent survey by Gallup found that only half of high school students said they consider a college degree to be very important. A survey by USA Today says only half say that a degree is worth the cost. Quite frankly, I agree with a lot of those sentiments. When you consider the incredible amount of money that people are spending to get a degree, the incredible amount of time they devote to attain it, and the impact it's having on their lives and their ability to get a job and make money – You really do have to question if it's worth a couple of hundred grand in six years in order to get a degree in a field that doesn't offer the economic opportunities that that degree provides. Related to all this, the Department of Education says they are losing $200 billion on student loans it's made over the past 25 years, which means not only are students 
losing in the deal. Not only are colleges losing in the deal, so are taxpayers. And the situation is going to get a lot worse as President Biden has just announced a massive student loan forgiveness program saddling taxpayers with huge amounts more. Meanwhile, there's a study of graduates from 2015 and 2016, 1.7 million graduates, 11,300 undergraduate and graduate degree programs at 2,000 universities. This is a pretty exhaustive study. The study found that in 75% of those degree programs at all of those universities, in three out of four cases, Men are earning more than women three years after graduation. In 10% of those programs, men are earning 10% more than women are, even though they're graduating from the same program at the same university. At Georgetown University, you get an accounting degree. Men are earning an average of $155,000. That's 55% more than women. They're only making hundred grand. University of Michigan law degree. Men are earning $165,000, women $120. University of Texas dental school. Men are earning $140,000, women $103. University of Houston petroleum engineering degree. Men earning an average of 86 grand after 3 years, women only 73 grand. And how about the nursing masters program at California State? Men are earning an average of $200,000, women $115,000. Women are out-earning men in only four of the 20 most popular degree programs. Not only is this a huge imbalance where incomes are massively disparate based on sex, the cost of those degrees are identical. You know, quite frankly, I wouldn't object all that much if women were paying a lot less for the degree since they're earning a lot less to obtain it. But that's, of course, not the case. I would even ask you the question, would you be willing to earn less if it meant you could also pay less to get the degree? I mean, we kind of do that with concerts, don't we? You pay less for the cheap seats. Some people are willing to do that. College doesn't offer that opportunity, which means you're stuck paying the full tuition even though you're not going to earn as much as your male counterparts. This is an obscene situation. I'm astonished that it's permitted to persist in the American workforce. But you need to recognize that it does exist and factor that into your decision of what degree to pursue and what college to attend in order to get it. I'm Rick Edelman. This is The Truth About Your Future. You know, we often talk about maturity when it comes to bonds. When does your bond mature? Well, that word, maturity, isn't as important as you might think it is. There's another word that's actually even more important. So let's say you have a bond that matures in 10 years. When are you going to get your money back? Well, you're thinking, well, that's a silly question. If I have a bond with a 10-year maturity, I'm going to get my money back in 10 years. Actually, that might not be true. You actually might get your money back In less than 10 years, your bond might have a call feature, and that gives the bond's issuer the right to give you your money back sooner than the maturity date. Or you might have a mortgage-backed bond, meaning that your bond is backed by people who got a mortgage. You've actually essentially lent money to homeowners, and people might pay off their mortgage 
sooner than the 30-year life of the mortgage. In other words, they might decide to move and sell their house. And if they sell their house, they pay off the mortgage immediately. So you get your money back a lot faster. So the maturity date is not necessarily going to tell you how long you're going to keep your bond. This is why you've got to pay attention to a different word. Not maturity, but duration. Duration is how long you can actually expect your bond to last. Often, duration and maturity are the same. If you have a one-year maturity, your duration is one year. But the two can be very different. So as you're trying to evaluate how long-term is the bond that I'm holding, don't ask about the maturity date. Ask about the duration of the bond. You might be surprised to discover that the duration is less than the maturity date. Sometimes a lot less. I'm Rick Edelman. This is the truth about your future. Time now for everybody's favorite segment of the program, Visit by My Wife, Jean Edelman. Jean is a student of the healing arts, Reiki, traditional Chinese medicine, homeopathy, acupuncture, and of course, macrobiotic and plant-based cooking. Here's Jean. Great to be with you this week. The word this week that's been floating around is rekindle. What does it mean to rekindle? Well, it means to revive, to renew, to make a connection with another, to rekindle our joy and our passion in our life. This journey, our life, is about finding the answers to these questions. Most of life, it's about discovery. We try something, it doesn't work, we try something else. It's about ebb and flow. Different jobs, different professions, people in our lives, everything changes for the better. We could be in our 50s, our 60s, our 70s when some of these answers come, but it's okay because we're supposed to be reinventing, learning, and exploring as each of these decades come upon us. You want to know the secret? I think the biggest thing to rekindle is the connection with ourselves. We're constantly giving away our energy and our time to others, to projects, to Zoom, to our electronics. How about we rekindle the connection with ourself? It's not easy. It's a commitment to walks. It's a commitment to finding a few moments of quiet. It's a commitment to our breath and our food and our sleep and all the self-care that I talk about all the time. It's a commitment to ourselves, self-care, thinking of ourselves. What do we need first so that we can engage with others being the best version of ourselves? So it's real simple this week as we think about rekindle. The action item of this week is to ponder the question of what do we need to rekindle in our life? What habits could we change to bring more spark and more joy? What can we rekindle with? What are our passions? Think about that this week. And so my word of the week is self, because we need to rekindle our connection to self. The S is to see the possibilities. We make these small changes. They add up over a long period of time. The E is for eager. We should be eager for each day. We should be looking forward to each day. We should be looking forward to the people and the projects and the events in our life. 
The L is to listen. Listen to our intuition. These little voices, they whisper to us or they, or our gut, it's telling us something. Listen. That is the path. That is the truth that we need to follow. And F is to find, to discover, and to detect who we were in the early years. It's not who we are now, and it's not who we're going to be in the future. We are hopefully learning and growing, and this journey is to find all these pieces to put our whole self together. And some of it's hidden, and we really have to dig. And that's a part of the journey, too. That's a part of the rekindling of self. We want to be ready to shine in this amazing world, being the best version of ourselves. Have a wonderful week, everybody, and find something to rekindle with. If you're enjoying Jean's words of the week, you can get a list of them and all of her segments at thetruthayf.com. Did you know Schwab offers a satisfaction guarantee? If for any reason you're not completely satisfied, Schwab will refund your fee or commission and work with you to make things right. You won't find that kind of promise everywhere, but you will find it at Schwab. It's just another way that they put clients' interest at the heart of everything they do. Learn what's included and how it works at schwab.com slash satisfaction. That's schwab.com slash satisfaction. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents of innovation, ordinary people who shape the future by putting their money behind the right ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Be an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETFs' risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, carefully read and consider fund investment objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the prospectus at Invesco.com. Invesco Distributors, Inc. We're out of time for this week's show, but take a little time this week to watch my new master class for free, Financial Planning in the Age of Longevity. Just access the truthayf.com. See you next week. Bye-bye. 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 I'm sorry, what? What part didn't you understand? The buh or the bye? Bye-bye. The truth about your future with Rick Edelman has been brought to you by Bitwise, the world's largest crypto index fund manager. As crypto grows, Bitwise believes everyone should have a simple and familiar way to access it. Bitwise makes crypto clear. Bitwiseinvestments.com. And by Global X ETFs. For more than a decade, Global X ETFs has been dedicated to providing investors with unexplored and intelligent solutions. Learn more at GlobalXETFs.com. And by Invesco QQQ a fund that allows you to access the innovators of the NASDAQ 100. Invesco.com slash QQQ. 
Stay tuned for Everyday Wealth with Soledad O'Brien and Gene Chatsky from Edelman Financial Engines. EverydayWealth.com backslash radio. EFE and the truth about your future with Rick Edelman are unaffiliated entities. Get the truth about your future every weekend with Rick Edelman. It's the truth, AYF.com. 